So we have a problem with that. There's definitely a conflict. I want to encourage you as a believer. 1 Corinthians 15, 41 says, The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. And stars differ from star and splendor. It was the rocket we shot off last week, the splendor. It's interesting because when I look at the stars, unless I see a planet which is not twinkling, I don't recognize any difference between the stars. And the King James Version says glory. And so we were talking about... On September 26, 2022, NASA... ...into an asteroid called Dimorphos, all in the name of testing a way to defend planet Earth from potentially hazardous asteroid strikes in the future. Okay, we've already seen that. Uh, And the results are not complete yet, but they seem to think that it diverted Dimorphos away from the asteroid that it was orbiting. So this might be successful if an asteroid starts starts its way toward the Earth. So there's a picture of a meteor. Meteors are known as shooting stars. They're pieces of dust and debris from the space that burn up in the Earth's atmosphere where they can create bright streaks across the night sky. And of course, there's been an abundance of these videos in the last years because of the phone that has videotaping abilities. There are a couple of these videos. I think I stop my car and pull over. I don't continue on. Yeah, let me just turn right into that baby. There, there's a turn I want to go on. So those dash mounted cameras pick this stuff up. When we do blue. So here's a picture of the Milky Way. We call it that because it's a milky area where they're just Millions and millions and millions of stars. This is probably a time-lapse photograph because you can see the meteor streaking across maybe a couple seconds. A meteor shower. Meteors can travel up to 30 to 30 to 50 miles up, up to 44 miles per second. That's fast. I like this. Have you heard this? Somebody's album had a meteoric rise to the top of the charts. Right? Top 10 tennis star, meteoric rise. Five incredible charts show Zoom's meteoric rise. TypeScript's meteoric rise. Meteors don't rise. Meteors fall. However, here's a good one. ABBA's long-awaited album, Rockets Straight to the Top of the Charts. Good, Rockets, you got it right. So what are comets? So here was a, a science fair project by a student several years ago. It doesn't really have to do with comets, but it's a nice place to put in. (laughs) 
the science fair projects I always like are the ones, does sunlight affect the growth of plants? <laughs> That's like at every science fair in the world. Here's a comet. So I'd like to invite you to answer questions, get you involved. Is If this represents a comet, which direction is it moving? Is it moving A? Is it moving B? Is it moving C? Is it moving D? Or not enough info? What do you say? How many think A? How many think B? How many think C? How many think D? How many think E? Not enough info. Actually, the correct answer is C. Because the tail represents a line from the sun as the solar radiation pushes bits off of the comet and then the, the material portion of the tail tends to go in the direction, uh, opposite direction that it's moving. Another, those are not correct diagrams. Somebody had it wrong in a textbook. So there's the dust trail and the gas trail. Comets are frozen leftovers from the formation of the solar system, composed of dust, rock, and ices. They orbit the sun. The word comet comes from cometas. So we might not exist if it weren't for comets. We used to say a comet was a dirty snowball. Now we think they're larger, so we call them a dirty iceberg, and so on and so forth. Uh, in December of uh, 2021, the Christmas Comet, Comet Leonard. Now, uh, millions of comets orbit the sun. They come from the Kuiper Belt and the Oort Cloud. I got a little asterisk beside the Oort Cloud. Uh, these comet reservoirs are way out in the solar system, very far away from the sun. The Oort Cloud, for example, hasn't ever been directly observed, even to this day. So why do you believe in something that has not been observed? Why do they believe in the Oort Cloud? The solar system is roughly 4.6 billion years old, according to evolutionary theory. We all got that, right? Comets have short lifespans. 50,000 to 500,000 years. So if those comets began at the beginning of the solar system and they only last 50 to 500,000, they shouldn't exist anymore, should they? So they, they developed the idea of the Oort Cloud. It's forming comets out there and sending them toward the sun. By the way, I'm, I'm not sure if... Um, you know, I always have a red pen in my hand, and I'm always looking for errors to, you know, mark, mark it wrong on people's paper when I'm grading it. But I find at least three errors in this diagram. Can you find them? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Anyone find one? 
I think the artist was attempting to show things in relative size, proportion to each other. <laughs> He's now shaking her head now. The sun is massive. The sun is absolutely massive. Then I see another one. This is not, it was not a meteorite, the word I just replaced. That is a meteor, okay? It's, it's not a meteorite unless it hits the earth, and most meteors do not strike the earth. And then I have a problem with Pluto and Mercury. Mercury is almost twice the size of Pluto. So here we see a meteor and kind of an artist's depiction of sending a, a probe to strike the meteor and adjust its orbit. You've heard of SETI, haven't you? We mentioned it. Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, SETI. Have you ever noticed that all telescopes searching for intelligent life are pointing away from the Earth? Genesis 1.16, and God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Kind of just an add-on. <laughs> Later when I show you some videos of stars, you're going to go, and he made the stars also. Okay. Sounds like an afterthought, doesn't it? Stars. He made the stars also. <laughs> Look at the galaxies. We think there are millions and millions and millions of stars in each galaxy. One of those spots you see up in the, there in the sky may not be a star. It may be a galaxy. Now, if you believe that life came about by chance over billions of years, and there are billions of stars out there, and by the way, billions of galaxies, what do you conclude if you believe in evolution? That life formed on other planets, right? If it just happened by chance. If you believe that man is the crown of creation and God did everything to make the earth perfect and the universe perfect for man, then you probably deny that. I deny that there's intelligent life out there, that there's life out there. Modern astronomers classify stars as gigantic, luminous balls of plasma and hydrostatic equilibrium. The sun is at equilibrium. The inward pressure and outward pressure is the same. It has to be, otherwise it would explode or it would contract. So the outward radiation pressure balances the inward gravity. Now, if you believe in uh, Goldilocks and the three bears, you believe that everything on earth is just right. The creator placed us in a perfect position to observe his glory. It is amazing to observe his glory. Here again, we see the Milky Way as observed from the earth, which is the only place we can observe it unless we are in the JWST, reminder, JWST is 
James Webb Space Telescope, a million miles from the Earth. You used to think we were kind of a flat elliptical. Now they believe it's a little bit wavy. And you are here. You are here. Of course, we don't have any photographs of our galaxy, but we have other galaxies we look at, and we go, that looks like it could be the galaxy that we're in. Think about it. What if we had been placed in a highly star-populated region, more stars than the sun? Not, by the way, the sun is how far from the Earth? 93 million, or one astronomical unit. If we had been placed in a highly populated star region, crispy critters, because of the high radiation, we would not have evolved. God put us in a perfect place for creation. Our position allows us to see a majority of his creation. If we were placed in a position where there were a lot of stars around us, we wouldn't be able to see out from the Milky Way. But being out on one of the, one of the edges of the Milky Way, we're able to see it and turn the other direction and see the rest of the universe. Again, a time-lapse photograph. Um, otherwise, you do not see it quite this dramatically. So here you're seeing two very prominent stars, uh, clusters, not cluster, but arrangement in the northern hemisphere. What are they? The Big Dipper and the Little Dipper. And I heard somebody say Ursa Major and Ursa Minor, the scientific names given to them. If you draw a line from the uh, ladle of the Big Dipper, it points to the handle of the Little Dipper, and that's Polaris. And the stars, the stars don't rotate around the Polaris. The Earth turns on its axis, right? Uh, somebody says, well, you, you use some really archaic language when you talk about creation. Does the sun rise? Technically, no, but don't we call it sunrise? Does the sun set? Technically, no, but we still call it the sunset. Okay, I have, um, oh, th these are baby stars in the Orion constellation. Scores of baby stars shrouded by dust are revealed in this infrared image of the star-forming region NGC 2174. I've done a little reading on star formation. We don't really think it happens, but it certainly is not denied by what scripture teaches. So there are the planets in relative size, Mercury, Mars, Venus, Earth. And then Earth compared to Neptune, Uranus, Saturn, and Jupiter. We're tiny, aren't we? And then Jupiter compared to Wolf 359, the Sun, and Sirius. You can't be serious. Yes, I'm serious. Sirius, Pollux, Arturus, Alderbaran, then Betelgeuse, and then V.Y. Canis Majoris. Unbelievable the size of some of these stars. 
incredible. 1 Corinthians 15, 40 through 41 says this. There are heavenly bodies. I've already shown you that at the beginning. There's one glory of the sun and the moon, for star differs from star in glory. There is one star that is so large. I know you're asking, how large is it? If we set the solar system out, this star, UY Scuti, would extend out beyond Jupiter's orbit around the sun. It is fantastic in size. So I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, they told me fusion was just like 50 years away. You heard that? Fusion, the answer to all our energy problems? I don't want to get political here, but the answer to energy problems is not to shut down the petroleum industry, in my opinion. So now what do they say? Fusion is how, how many years away? About 50 years away. So I haven't aged at all. So here's what we think is happening on the sun. A hydrogen deuterium. Do means two. It has two particles in the nucleus. Deuterium. Tritium has three particles in the nucleus. They fuse, they combine together, different from fission. Fission is division of nuclei. And during this process, it gives off a tremendous amount of energy, a neutron, and a helium. The problem with fusion reactions, they occur at very, very high temperatures. What kind of a container do you put a fusion reaction in? Tupperware, metal, you know, metals melt at 300, 400, 500 degrees. And we're talking about thousands of degrees for these reactions to occur. The best way for a fusion reaction to occur is to suspend it in space, far away from anything that you want living, and call that the sun. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Danny Faulkner. As an astronomer and biblical creationist, do I believe that stars form today? He says, I'm not sure. I understand both sides of the biblical argument. I don't see that the Bible absolutely precludes star formation today, nor do I see that the Bible demands it. So I suggest a continuing discussion. We cannot be hard and fast on some things that are not definitely taught in scripture. As I read scripture and I read things, I go, how does billions of years fit with that? It happens weekly with me when I find a chapter and I go, that doesn't make any sense if you believe in millions of years. This image shows knots of cold, dense interstellar gas where new stars are forming. Next, nebulas. It's a giant cloud of dust and gas in space. Have you heard somebody say, your idea is nebulous? Okay, I've said that before. It doesn't have, doesn't have any 
concrete footing to it. It's just kind of like a cloud. Some nebula come from the gas and dust thrown out by the explosion of a dying star such as a supernova. Does that sound like star formation to you? It sounds like what I've seen in science, and that is decay, decomposition, degeneration, death. What it sounds like to me, not star formation. Other nebula are regions where new stars are beginning to form. Some of these pictures, and again, you're not going to observe this with the naked eye because you only see Roy G. Biv, right? You do not see infrared. You do not see ultraviolet. Here's the Horsehead Nebula and the Flame Nebula. The Planetary Nebula. The Tarantula Nebula. Absolutely gorgeous. The Running Man Nebula. The Coal Sack Nebula. Eagle. Omega. Trifid. And Lagoon. Four. Breathtaking, beautiful, beautiful nebula. The Eagle Nebula, sometimes called the Pillars of Creation. They use the words, but they don't understand the meaning. <laughs> the Pillars of Creation? You are evolutionists. You do not believe in creation. You believe things came about by chance over billions of years. By the way, how long have we been actually seeing these pictures, these nebula and galaxies? Four or five hundred years? Just recently, like in the last 25 to 50 years. And yet you're talking about billions of years? More about that later. Thank you. 
and then finally galaxies. A galaxy is a huge collection of gas, dust, and billions of stars and their solar systems, all held together by gravity. If you kind of squint at this, don't look directly at this image, kind of squint at it, you will begin to see the Milky Way. Good. Good. I'm glad you saw that. So remember, these are animations. They, they take images and then they enhance them and do animations to come up with these ideas. Our closest star, the sun, is just one of billions scattered across the galaxy. But orbiting the Sun is something unique, possibly the most valuable world in the universe, planet Earth, the only place known to support life. This beautiful blue marble is where our human journey began. But like the brave explorers of old that dared to travel beyond their horizon, we must leave the comfort of our home and venture deep into the unknown. Out there, Much for that. So uh, here's somebody who was camping at Haldan Bay, east of Slope Point One. I was lucky enough, after a couple of cloudy nights, this was a real treat. Antares, this bright star, Jupiter, that planet. Planets do not twinkle. They simply glow, and they change relative size or, or location in the sky every night. Here's M31, Andromeda. Does anyone know what the M stands for? Uh, French astronomer Messier was cataloging in the, in the uh, 1800s uh, different different. Um, what he thought were not stars, but something like a galaxy. So this is Messier 31. He cataloged about 100 uh, objects in the sky. The Andromeda galaxy. Since he only classified uh, around 100, astronomers came up with a different cataloging system, NGC, the New General Catalog. 
This is 3318, Spiral Arms of the Galaxy. Here's a comparison between what the Hubble is able to see and what Webb is able to see. Every one of those spots you see are galaxies. NGC 3568, a cluster of galaxies called the Fornax. This to me is one of the most impressive videos. Nothing there. Maybe one or two stars. refer back to this portion of 
the video a little bit later. So as a result, one can estimate there are more than 100 billion galaxies in the universe. What assumption or assumptions are made to do this calculation? Say they took a tiny spot in the sky. What was it, 11 days of exposure? There is, I don't argue with this assumption. It, it's reasonable, I guess. The same density of stars exists throughout all of what you observe, right? So that's how they come up with 100 billion galaxies in the universe. We see these galaxies not as they are today, but as they were billions of years ago. What assumptions are made here? That light has always traveled at the same speed, and you have to impose natural laws of science on the universe. God is not natural. God is supernatural. He is not bound by the same laws that we are. So they talk about the development of galaxies over time. Did you notice some of the very close galaxies were spiral galaxies? And there were spiral galaxies throughout that entire a video where they were going through the, the 3D of, of space. Some of the ones far away were spiral. Some of the ones close were spiral. We're not seeing, at least I am not seeing, a development over time. The fully formed spiral galaxies takes billions of years to develop, all based upon 25 to 50 years of observation. Ladies and gentlemen and young people, that is not science. Science is observable. Science is testable. So they show you things like this in books. <laughs> they still have books, right? And they say that one in, in the distance there hasn't formed yet until we get to the spiral galaxy. There was, an inter there was a mixture of these throughout that video. See, I'm trying to understand this and explain it in a way that I can understand it. So, let's just assume there are five planets. Planet Earth, and then one 10 light years away, 20, 30, 40, and 50 light years away. Okay? It takes 50 years for light to come from this picture that I'm going to show you on a planet. And so let's take a cute little baby, my daughter, and we're going to 
creator on each of those planets, on here, and so on. Are you with me? By the way, part of teaching is perfecting what you're going over. I don't know this is going to make a lot of sense. Having taught chemistry for 39 years, by the, by the 38th, 39th year, you've got it pretty much down. You would not see the image of the 110 light years away because it's today, right? So the only one you'll see is the one today. So let's take that little baby 50 light years away and move 10 years ahead. That image is going to be there. We're not going to see it yet. She's going to mature, right? Let's go 20 years. That image is going to be there. She's going to mature, right? Take another 10 years. That image is going to be there. He's going to mature, correct? So she's going to look like an infant, and the daughter here on the earth is going to mature. But what if that image shows up and it looks like a 50-year-old? What if a planet, what if a galaxy looks spiral? You go, wait a second, how did that happen? So they, they say you just look at the shape and size of the galaxy and that tells you how long ago it was created, made, exploded, coming from the Big Bang. God wrote in the Ten Commandments that he created the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them in just six ordinary days. The genealogies in Genesis connect the lives of the early patriarchs straight back to Adam just thousands of years ago. So, how can we see the light from distant stars when it supposedly took billions of years for their light to travel to earth? Does this disprove the clear timeline in the Bible and show the rest of it as just myth? Actually, it doesn't. Stay with us to find out why. You see, to measure the speed of light at any time in history, you need six things. Light, space, distance, matter, time, and gravity. From a biblical perspective, God, who is outside of time and space, created all of these things during creation week. None of them even existed before that. Think about it. They all had to come into existence together at the same time. Without space, how can you have distance? Without distance, how can you measure speed or motion? What would matter be like without gravitational forces? And gravity even affects time. Light travels through this space-time fabric, and all of these things were spoken into existence by God during the first few days of creation. These are all pieces of a puzzle that came together at the beginning. Light is visible electromagnetic radiation that travels 186,000 miles per second when it's in a complete vacuum. The speed of light when traveling through space is impacted by gravity, and time and gravity are inseparably related. Gravity impacts the speed of light because it affects the energy of the fabric of space, which in turn affects the speed of light and time. Atomic clocks at different altitudes track time at different rates due to gravity. Even our GPS systems need to be calibrated for the effects that gravity has on time. Lastly, even motion itself affects time. When accelerating close to the speed of light, the weird distortions of Einstein's relativity kicks in. 
Time slows down, lengths go up, masses balloon, and everything we thought was fixed changes. So there we have it. Light, space, distance, matter, time, gravity, and motion. Just put them all together at a given time in history, put them into a formula, and presto. We think we can measure just how and when it all got started. Apparently looking back through millions of unseen years when the entire universe unfolded with this perfectly timed, perfectly bounded Earth spinning on its axis 1,000 miles per hour while orbiting the Sun at 67,000 miles per hour? Do any of us really know the complexities of light, space, distance, matter, time, gravity, and motion? Can we change the relationships between these on a grand scale in our universe today? Do we know for certain that their relationships today are the same as they were thousands of years ago? 5,000 years ago. What about when they were created? God is not bound by the laws of nature as we are. This is important to realize when it comes to the creation week, when God, who is outside of space and time, created the stars, light, space, distance, matter, time, and gravity. Even the evolutionary model, the Big Bang, has a light time travel challenge called the horizon problem, as explained by astrophysicist Dr. Jason Lyle. The Big Bang, the alternative to biblical creation, also has a similar type of problem, a light travel time problem of its own. It's called the horizon problem. And basically it has to do with the cosmic microwave background that we see uh, streaming from the distant regions of the universe. We find that it's very uniform. And that shouldn't be because in the Big Bang model, uh, it should have different temperatures at different places. Why is it so uniform? Obviously light energy had to travel from the, the hotter regions to the cooler regions to equilibrate those temperatures, but there hasn't been enough time. Even in 13.7 billion years, there's not enough time for light to travel from one side of the visible universe to the other. And so that's a light travel time problem for the Big Bang. It seems to me that if the alternative to biblical creation has the same type of problem as biblical creation, then you can't argue that distant starlight somehow disproves biblical creation in favor of the Big Bang. And after all, God is omniscient. He could have used a mechanism that we do know about, or he could have used a mechanism that we don't know about. But it's not a problem for an infinite God to get light from distant galaxies to Earth in thousands of years. And then, and then uh, Russell Humphreys comes on and goes way over our heads. <laughs> Believe me. Astronomers have photographed very distant galaxies about 12 billion light years away. Assuming for the sake of argument, a Big Bang happened 13.7 billion years ago, these galaxies are among the youngest in the universe. Though the differences are subtle from nearby and presumably older appearing galaxies, they appear otherwise identical to them. In other words, little evolution has occurred. So here's a screenshot of that video where they give you the three dimension now and 15 billion years ago. And there was spiral galaxies here, 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 and there. Now, I have to admit, I don't have enough physics background to understand all of the event horizon problem that they were discussing. But this is more on the line of something I can understand. Evidence for a young world. Dr. Russell Humphreys, this is on the Answers in Genesis site. Galaxies wind themselves up too fast. Too few supernova remnants. Comets disintegrate too quickly. There's not enough sodium in the sea. 
The Earth's magnetic field is decaying too fast. My conclusion, Psalm 8, verse 1, part B, who has set thy glory above the heavens. And Psalm 19, 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. Next week, a little bit more down to earth. <laughs> Thank you. Bodies of water, which I've learned more studying that than I have any of the other lessons that I've been in. Perhaps next week the weather will shine on us nicely. We won't have 10 to 15 mile an hour gusts up to 20 miles an hour from the wrong direction. We'll be able to shoot that off.